Hello, hello. This is Kathy Colas Audiobooks, and today we have episode 16 of Operation Arrow Fletcher by James Burns. Carly and David are going to Carly's grandparents' old house to find the Mithridate. Agent Cantor needs to come clean to Carly so she can help her. Here we go. With little effort, the Jeep Grand Cherokee plowed through the six inches of snow, kicking up a blizzard behind it. The unplowed roads made it a challenge to maneuver, but the four-wheel drive kept the Jeep steady. Soon, headlights could be seen, coming up from behind. These roads are fucked up, Tatiana said, keeping both hands on ten and two, while the back tires struggled to grip the icy roads. I can feel the ascent fishtailing. Don't worry if you can't keep up. If we're lucky, they're headed to the Mithridate as we speak. We've got the tracker. Just keep tailing them until we get on some better roads. Tatiana nodded. The two had been on the road for a little over a half hour when the tracker started to ping. Concern filled Tatiana's face as she watched Slovak tap the screen until the pinging stopped. They're not moving, he said, studying the tracker. They're three miles ahead, and it looks like they've turned off the main road. Keep going. I'll tell you where to turn. The van slowed and then stopped in front of a two-track. They're about a quarter mile down this road, Slovak said. If you stay in their tire tracks, the van shouldn't get stuck. Making a left, Tatiana followed the tire tracks. I don't like this, she said, as they slowly made their way down the two-track. Stop, Slovak said in a raised voice. Something has to be wrong. The tracker says they're 20 yards ahead, and I see nothing. He pulled his gun. Let's walk from here. Tatiana parked the van and lifted her gun. The two stepped out and followed the tracker until they came upon a black garbage bag. A shot rang out, and Slovak and Tatiana dropped to the ground. On a ridge, they saw a man with a Fu Manchu jump into a silver Jeep Grand Cherokee and drive off. Neither said a word as they walked back and saw the flattened rear tire. Carly and David hurried out the door to the attached garage. David laid the shotgun in the back seat of Tim's blazer and put the food beside it. They both then hopped in. I'm going to take it nice and easy. With this weather, it may take us five hours or more. Lexington's a little less than 250 miles away, and we'll be traveling from one great lake to another, Michigan to Huron. Carly kept nervously turning around to see if they were being followed. I think we're good, Carly, David said. The sergeant's plan worked perfectly. Feeling a little more at ease, Carly's mind drifted to the summers she spent with her grandparents. You know, when we drove from Detroit to the lake house, My dad would always refer to I-94 as the ditch. When I was a kid, I really did think it was a ditch. The way the high walls cut through the city seemed massive. Who's ready to take the ditch to Grandma's house? Pops would say, sticking his head in our room, getting us up for the trip. Those years we lived in Michigan were some of the best of my life. David turned the blower higher when the windows began to fog. I need you to tell me everything you can remember about that lake house. 
I want you to start from when you would pull out of your driveway until you arrived at your grandparents. Describe everything to me. Don't leave out a detail, even if it seems trivial. You never know what could answer those clues. Carly unzipped her oversized parka and took off her stocking cap. Keeping herself buckled, she turned slightly and leaned her back against the car door. Okay, you ready? Yep. Like I said, the highway always reminded me of a ditch. It was a long, boring ride until the first sign of water. Winding our way along Lake Huron, you would see cabin after cabin overlooking the lake. The water was a sapphire blue. Sounds beautiful. I've never seen Lake Huron, David said. You've never seen Lake Huron? Nope, never. Wait till you do. It won't be as pretty in the summer, but it's still beautiful. We would drive the road until we would see the water tower. That's when we knew we were there. Can you picture this? Am I giving you enough detail? Yes, perfect. Don't leave out a thing. My dad would pull down a dirt drive lined with spruce and birch trees. It would snake through the woods and end at a high bluff overlooking the lake. That's where the house was. My grandparents were as happy to see us as we were to be there. They'd come running out as soon as we pulled in. We'd each pick one and go running into their arms. Then we would switch and get squeezed by the other, Carly smiled. Grandma and Grandpa Weeblehouse spoiled the hell out of us. So, the lake house, is it all by itself? No, there was this other cabin on the property. Artie called it the country store. It had a wooden deck that was flush to the ground. A cedar shake awning covered a picnic table where my uncles would play cards and smoke thick cigars for hours. An old stand-up Pepsi cooler sat next to the door, and I can tell you it was not filled with pop. When my cousins came into town, the adults would stay in the big house and us kids got to sleep in the cabin. And where is this viewing deck? There's this cliff. Actually, it's a really high ridge that overlooks the lake. Have you heard of the Mackinac race? The sailboat race? David asked. Yeah. All the boats in the race would sail past the house. We would sit on the deck and watch as the boats with their different colored masts sailed by. My grandparents would have a big party during the race weekend. Anyway, there are steps that lead all the way down to the shore. Halfway down, 17 steps to be exact, is a seating platform. I remember counting them as a kid. It sat on the side of the steps and had bleacher seats and a railing. That's where we would watch the race. On a clear day, you could see all the way across the lake to Canada. Well, that was one of the clues. You could see the house your grandpa built from the deck, and the house is in Canada. How many miles is it across the lake? Not sure. Maybe 25 or so. So how can you see a house from the deck? Doesn't make sense. I know, and that's why we have to get on that deck. From there, maybe we can figure out what my dad was saying. If we can't, they're going to kill Bo. David quit talking. He stared straight ahead. What? Carly asked. What are you thinking? David cautiously started. What if Bo was already dead? 
I mean, the only thing we have is a video. I don't want to get you upset, but it cut him pretty bad. Maybe after the taping, they just finished him off. Remember what the Sarge said before we left. The ball's in our court. We have the advantage. Let's text Slovak and demand that you get to FaceTime with Bo. You can tell him that you know who he is. For a moment, neither one spoke. David watched as Carly reached for his phone on the center console. I see how you stayed alive in Iraq, Carly said. The Sarge would be proud of you. With a determined look, she began, reading her text out loud as she typed. Tatiana and Slovak sat in Bubba's restaurant and bar in downtown Traverse City. They had recovered the tracker Sergeant Tim had tossed on the side of the road. Traces of black, too stubborn to wash off, still covered Slovak's hands. Changing the tire took over an hour. A Shania Twain song played on the jukebox. Tatiana took a bite of her burrito and washed it down with a bud. Slovak wiped his face, removing the fixings of his Shrek burger that dribbled down his chin. You got the heart problem, and you order that monster burger, Tatiana snapped at him. You should be eating salads and drinking almond milk. Slovak squirted ranch dressing all over his french fries. You know, Tatiana, there's a reason you've never been married. You drive a man to suicide. I was married, for your information. He did take his own life. Slovak did not respond. He sipped his Coke and swallowed before he popped the last of the burger into his mouth and finished off the fries. Tatiana shrugged and took another swig of her beer. She muffled a small burp, then said, It was a long time ago. I was young. The tension was thick, and Slovak quickly changed the subject. Clearly, they're on to us. Everything Carly had, including the GPS sensor, was stuffed in that bag we found. I just don't understand how they figured this out. Are you that freaking dumb that you can't see this? We've been compromised. You said it yourself. They gotta be working with someone. CIA, Homeland Security, who knows? You better have a plan because no longer are we dealing with just one person. Slovak's cell phone vibrated on the table. He recognized the number. It's David Farris. Tatiana watched as Slovak read the message. His eyebrows furrowed and his face tightened. He put the phone on the table and said, It seems the little mouse wants to play. What is she saying? Slovak handed her his phone. Read it. I know it was you, Slovak, or whatever your real name is, in that video. I remember everything. You killed my father. I also know where the Mithridate is. You must give me proof that Bo is still alive. Let me have some face time with him. If he is still alive, I will trade the Mithridate for him. If I do not get proof, I will take the Mithridate to the authorities. You have an hour to make it happen. Chief Bolton watched the edge of the knife glide across the screaming man's face. He knew it was Bo before the masked man gave his message to Carly. Now we know where Bo went, the chief said to the field officer sitting across from him. Poor son of a bitch. 
He lived through one war just to die this way. You know, Chief, I was thinking, didn't you say Agent Cantor got pretty close to Fletcher when she was undercover? Yeah, she did. I almost saw it too close. I kept telling Cantor to be careful, not to get too emotionally involved. So Fletcher trusts her. Absolutely. Why don't we have Cantor get in touch with her? We could have her call that David guy. If they're as close as you say, she may let Cantor help her. That's not a bad idea. For a rookie, Huntington, you're impressing me. That's my job, Chief. Stacy and Portia were watching the local news when the call from the chief came in. Stacy swiped her screen and put it on speaker. Here, Chief, you're on speaker. Any luck figuring out what was familiar on the video? Not yet. There's something there, but I can't put my finger on it. Stacy stood up from the bed and walked to the window. From habit, she peeked out and checked the parking lot. Bolton continued, What do you think about getting in touch with Carly? You want me to call Carly? Cantor said, raising her eyebrows at Portia. Would I get in touch as Megan Connor or me? I think it should be you. You need to convince her that you're on her side, and it's the best thing for Bo. Agent Cantor paused. I think FaceTime would be the best way. I can show her my ID, and at the same time, she can see how sincere I am. I really do care about her, you know. We became sisters. Good. Then get it done. Tatiana's expression hardened. Don't get yourself all vicked up. Who gives a rat's ass if she knows who you are? Even if she is working with some type of law enforcement, we can still make this work. She knows where to find the Mithridate, and we have bow. We just have to be smarter than they are. Slovak pushed himself away from the table. Order us some food to go. I need to make a phone call. Tatiana watched him weave his way through the tables to the back part of the large dining room, out of hearing distance from any other diners. She saw him press a number into his cell phone and hold the phone to his ear, his body moving very little while he spoke. The waitress in the black t-shirt came to the table the same time Slovak returned. Your carry-out is almost ready, she said. Would you like to pay now? Yes, please give it to me, Slovak said, then opened his leather billfold. He removed three twenties and handed it to her. Keep the change. Tatiana waited until the server was almost to the kitchen. Are you listening to me? Did you hear what I said? Who gives a damn at this point if she knows who you are? The important thing is she knows where the Mithridate is. So she says, Slovak said thoughtfully. So she says, the game has changed. We may need a different trap for this one. Tatiana let his words mull in her brain. We need to call Victor, Slovak told her. He needs to clean Bo up. Give him a fresh shirt. Comb his hair. Make sure the blood is off his face. Tell Victor to take it easy on him. No more bruises. I'll call right now and have him set up the FaceTime.
After the call ended with Chief Bolton, Stacy placed her phone on the nightstand and sat down on the edge of the bed. She placed both hands on top of her thighs and said, You heard the chief. We gotta convince Carly to stop running so we can help. I think that's a great idea, Portia said. Easier said than done. Think of how you felt when you realized I was an FBI agent and not Carly's best friend. That's true. When you were standing on my porch, I had no idea what the hell was going on. It was all such a shock. Well, that's what I mean. Carly and I grew very close. We were like sisters. She's going to think those feelings were just part of my cover. Then tell her, Portia said. I can see the worry in your face. Tell Carly you did deceive her, but you were following orders. Say you weren't truthful at Holy Oaks, but you care for her, and will do anything to help her. Agent Cantor took her purse from the floor and removed her wallet. She stood up from the bed and placed her FBI ID under the lamp on the desk. Using the phone, she took a picture of her ID and then one of Portia. I can't imagine the betrayal she's going to feel, but I can't think of any better way to go, Stacy said. I agree. Let's do it. Stacy fluffed some pillows up against the headboard of her bed and stretched out. Portia did the same and lay next to her. She brought her knees to her chest, balanced her hands, and began to type. Carly, I'm not going to even try to understand what you're going through. I truly am your friend. I am and always have been here to help you. I truly care about you. I am not Megan Connor. My real name is Stacy Cantor, Agent Stacy Cantor. I work for the FBI. Your father was a CIA officer and Ahmed reported to him. You should recognize the woman in the picture as the one who had a message written on her palm. Her name is Portia Berliner, and she was Ahmed's girlfriend, called by him to come here and help. Your father contacted Ahmed when he knew you were in trouble. I need to FaceTime with you. It'll be easier to explain face-to-face. Please, FaceTime me back. As David merged onto US-10 East, a message came over his phone. Carly turned to David and asked, Do you think that's Slovak? Only one way to find out, he said, then took his phone from the front console and tapped on the message. It's Megan, he said, handing Carly the phone. Megan's probably worried sick, Carly said. David looked at Carly and then quickly back to the road. He noticed her eyebrows knitted together as she read the text. What does she say? What's she want? Carly did not answer right away. She then said, I must be in some kind of nightmare. This is bizarre. What's bizarre? This text message is bizarre. Megan said she's really not Megan. She's an FBI agent. FBI? What? Can you pull over? Carly asked. You really need to read this and look at these pictures. Megan isn't who she said she was. She's an FBI agent. There's also a picture of that drunk girl who gave me that message on her hand. David took the next exit and turned right onto a blacktop paved road. He eased the SUV onto the dirt shoulder and placed it in park, keeping the engine running. Carly handed him the phone.
David read the text and enlarged the pictures to get a better view. Jesus Christ, Carly, this keeps getting worse and worse. Megan is Agent Cantor of the FBI, and that Portia Berliner was the girl on the porch? What the hell? I know, right? Megan was my best friend, and now I find out it was all a lie? A deception? She probably doesn't give a damn about me. It was always about finding the Mithridate. Oh, hang on for one minute. I saw how you and Megan were. She was sincere. You can't fake those types of feelings. Feelings, Carly said, voice raised. How could I, or you for that matter, possibly know her feelings? She's a goddamn FBI agent. They're trained not to have feelings. It's all an act. They become someone else. She played on my weaknesses, and I bought it. Do you think your father had feelings? What does that mean? David took a hold of Carly's hand. If your dad was CIA, as Megan said, he would have had similar training. You know who your father was. He could love. He could care. You don't lose what makes you human just because you become an agent. I think you should FaceTime her, at least hear what she has to say. Carly reached out her hand. Hand me your phone. Victor could hear the metallic cling, cling, cling of Bo's shackles as he shuffled out of the back room to the shower. Now, be a good boy and wash up, Victor said sarcastically. We want you looking pretty when you FaceTime your girlfriend. Bo flipped him the bird as he stopped in front of the bathroom door. Are you going to take these ankle bracelets off, or am I going to take a shower with my pants on? Victor reached into his pants pocket and removed a key. He tossed it in front of Bo, then drew his gun. Don't waste your time trying to get out the window. It's been bolted shut. If I hear glass break, I'll come in and shoot you. There's a razor. Use it. Fresh clothes will be outside the door when you are done. Put them on and then reshackle. Leave the key right there on the floor. If you try anything... I'll continue the scars that Slovak started. Bo crouched to the floor and grabbed the key, his eyes searing into Victor's. He removed the shackles, stepped into the bathroom, and shut the door. Stacy's heart pounded when she heard the distinct sound of her FaceTime ringtone. That's got to be Carly, she said as she jumped to her feet and accepted the incoming call. Carly's face appeared on Stacy's phone. Oh my God, Carly, what happened to your head? You're asking about my head? That's the first thing you say to me? I trusted you. I shared my most personal thoughts with you. And now I know you betrayed me. You never really cared about me. It was all fake. Whatever it took to get the Mithridate. Carly stared at Agent Cantor. Stacy began to walk the room, her arms animated as she spoke. Carly, let me help you. You're right. At first, when I went undercover, you were just an assignment. But then I got to know you and care about you. You no longer were just my assignment. You became a little sister, one that I loved and still do. Carly turned to David, then back at the phone. Why should I believe you when all you've ever done was lie? 
Your whole life has been a lie. Your mom kills your dad to save you and then takes her own life. All a bunch of sick lies. The agency made up my background so I could get admitted to Holy Oaks. I had nothing to do with that. I had to lie to make it seem convincing. I was acting when it came to Dr. Hayes. I was not acting when it came to you. David interrupted. Give me the phone. Hello, David, Stacy said as he appeared. What's this stuff about Carly's father being CIA? Carly tells me he was a doctor working with wounded vets. She was there. She saw him working. He was both. He worked as a physician, but also for the agency. Please, meet with us. I can explain everything much easier in person. Portia can explain why she was here with Ahmed. Carly abruptly shouted, Tell her we'll get back in touch with her. David began to repeat what Carly said when Agent Cantor stopped him. I heard what she said. That's understandable. You two talk and then let me know. You're dealing with some very dangerous people. Don't try this alone. The people holding Bo are ruthless. Please, Carly, let me help you. David ended the FaceTime. He turned to Carly and said, I think we need her. I believe Megan or Stacy, whatever her name is. I could hear it in her voice. Oh, really? You can hear it in her voice, huh? Carly said, clearly annoyed. You're not the one that spilled your guts to someone whom you trusted. I'm just saying, we're dealing with killers. Look what they did to Hayes. I think she could help. Remember what the Sarge said. The ball is in our court. I doubt Slovak knows the FBI is involved. If what Megan says is true, I'd feel a whole lot better having them on our team. It's your call, Carly. I'll go with whatever your decision is. David pulled the blazer back onto the road, did a Yui, and headed back onto the freeway. Just give her a chance, Carly. Try to keep an open mind. And there you have it. Don't forget, on Monday, we have episode 17 of Operation Arrow Fletcher by James Burns. To check out more of my work, go to my website at kathycolas.com. That's C-A-T-H-I-C-O-L-A-S dot com. If you're an author looking to turn your book into an audiobook, email me at kathycolas at gmail.com. Let's talk. And if you like the podcast, please leave a review or share it on social media. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you on Monday. <laughs>